You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Monday evening for an emergency podcast is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, we said that we were going to go every two weeks with anxiety, barring any kind of like crazy news that came out of Islanders world. And I don't think anybody expected the news that we got today, which is sufficiently crazy enough in that the Islanders have relieved Barry Trotz of his duties as head coach of the team, something that I'm still really having proce- having trouble processing now about 12 hours after it happened. This is going to take a lot more than 12 hours and one podcast to understand, I think. Probably the same for you, right? Yeah, it's. Um, I remember in the during like the throes of uh, the pandemic, I was reading an article about how um, – as a society, we don't ass- ass- assign the term grieving to things that aren't really related to death. I don't know. It sounds hyperbolic, but they're like, if you actually do it, it helps. And, um, because like you're, you're, gre- you anything you lose, you can grieve over. And, and when they were talking about that, they were talking about the, um, kind of like the way life was before the pandemic, like people are grieving, losing that lifestyle. And they, when you assign grief to it, um, it becomes like, a little bit more easy to unpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's what's going on here is um, Islander fans will, are, are grieving. Like, And it's, it is hyperbolic, but this is a fan podcast and fans are hyperbolic. That's fan is short for fanatic, right? So um, I don't think anyone has ever felt, mm-hmm. listening to the show has felt as strong a connection to somebody associated with the Islanders, um, especially a coach since the dynasty days. Uh, than, than we did with Barry Trotz. And I, I, 
it's on one hand, I think that people maybe are going to overestimate the impact that this will have on the the team's chances next year. Cause I still do believe that this group of players is good enough to get back to the playoffs next year, no matter who's coaching them. Um, but then underestimate how much of an impact it will have on the fans. Um, because you've, coaches who are players coaches you have coaches who are coaches coaches x's and o's coaches uh, but trotz was like a, a fans coach he totally understood the plight the eternal darkness of an, being an islander fan um unlike anybody who who's been associated with this team and since since the dynasty because it wasn't dark days back then like since since like the mid 90s uh Nobody understood what this fan base has gone through and, 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 and spoke to us in such a way and understood how much it meant to have success. So, I mean, it's we're grieving because we're going to miss this guy. Like, he's not on the Islanders anymore. He's going to likely get a job somewhere else, um, and he's gone. So, uh, you know, that's why I, I say grieving. And I think a lot of people today uh, listening to this and, you know, tomorrow at work or whatever would have been well within their rights to take a bereavement day from work and be like, like I, we, we lost someone who we loved. Like he's not part of our tribe anymore. He's gone. So, um, it's, it's a really shitty day, uh, for Islander fans. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think a big part of that is, I mean, I agree with everything you said. We'll, we'll dissect all that as we go on, but it was just so sudden. Like, it was just like, what? Like, I, I mean, I got, a text this morning that just said, whoa. And I was like, what is that? And I went to Twitter and I saw it and I was like, what? And it just, it was such a shocking thing. And I don't think that anybody saw this sort of thing coming. I think we had all been, you know, kind of prepared for some kind of move, a trade or whatever. Um, Maybe somebody, you know, getting, I don't know, waved or sent somewhere. But like this guy was, maybe more than anybody um, responsible for the Islanders success over the last couple of years. And for him to not be here anymore is so crazy because so much of what they are now is based on Barry Trotz. Like he's the guy who came in and I mean, I'm, you know, we're going to recount this story and I mean, I don't know how many more times we're going to recount it, but we how how many times we have recounted it over the four years, but like when he took over this team, they were left for dead. I mean, by everybody, including really us, you know, we didn't think we would see this kind of success and having been, you know, dumped by their captain and left for what we all thought was a much better team. Here comes this guy who does not care for any of that. And he's going to teach the fundamentals and he's going to teach them how to play hockey the right way with a focus on defense. And they rode that philosophy to, three playoff appearances and let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven playoff rounds, I guess maybe my math is off, but two Eastern conference semifinals uh, or, you know, conference finals, if you will. And um, that's unheard of. And mm-hmm. for this team, you know, in this iteration and a lot of that was due to Barry Trotz and he was the guy who instilled that defensive philosophy and that, um, structure and that identity. And I think that's the world that I keep coming back to is identity. He gave the Islanders an identity. Their identity before Barry Trotz was team with John Tavares and a bunch of other guys. 
and their team after Barry and before that, I mean, their identity was just screw ups, <laughs> you know. And I guess, and if you keep, you want, keep going back further, it's like, oh, a team with Peck and Yashin, and then before that, it was awful. And then the team, you know, we can keep going back into the dynasty era, but like their identity now, and well, until today, we don't know what what's going to happen after today. Was this one of the stingiest defensive teams in the league? And we knew how they would play. You knew how they were going to play. And that was the Trotzian way. And now we have to prepare ourselves for a new way based on whoever ends up <laughs> being the coach later on. And there's no indication, by the way, of anybody being hired anytime soon. So, I mean, yeah, maybe we'll have another emergency podcast in a few weeks <laughs> for the, the hiring. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, I, I don't, I don't remember a coach being so, so deeply deeply tied to his team's identity before mm-hmm. like Barry Trotz that's that's really the big thing that makes it seem like such a sudden thing in soccer actually so he's he's managing Everett and now Frank Lampard but there was a, a, a kind of a joke uh when Frank Lampard who was one of the best players English players in his generation you know the kind of latter years of Beckham uh and the bridge years to like where they are now and he's great uh and he took over for Derby County in as the manager a few years ago and everybody always referred to them mm. as Frank Lampard's Darby. Uh, and, and on a podcast, whatever you were listening mm. to in, in articles, it was always Frank Lampard's Darby. And it became a thing. Cause like he, Frank Lampard became the bigger than the, the club, basically like it was Frank Lampard's Darby. Um, and that kind of joke has followed him around. It was Frank Lampard's Chelsea. And that's Frank Lampard's Everton. Um, the Islanders, we're the only team in the NHL where you'd hear, you know, on a Blackhawks Flyers broadcast on NBC Sports, Barry Trotz's Islanders. You know, it wasn't, you never heard Mike Sullivan's Penguins, despite mm. Mike Sullivan being a great coach. You never heard Bob Bugner's <laughs> Sharks. You never heard Dave Tippett's Oilers. Um, and so I think, you know, that's <clears throat> the point you're making is like this, what he did was he took a team that was severely wounded Um by like a, you know, cowardly kind of act and exit and took that and turned it into something (laughs) rather than just even ignoring it. Right. Like that, that first game when uh, the Leafs came to the uh, Coliseum on February 28th, uh, 2019, um, he acknowledged what was coming to the team. He was like, there's still going to be hurt there. There should be hurt there. Um, because he's he he's he knew he was coaching human beings, and I think in this era of hockey fandom, where everybody every player is reduced to a illegible player card with charts on stuff on it, um, <laughs> you know, Charts was someone who mm. who coached human beings. Uh, he led a fan base of human beings and understood um, you know human tendencies of emotion and hurt. Happiness. I mean, even think about last year uh, when they lost to the to the Lightning, one nothing. Um, that Jesus, just such thinking about it makes me sad. The the press conference right after with Barzell and Nelson, <laughs> and then Trotz, and uh, what Trotz said to the team was that you know this is going to hurt, um, and he wishes he's like I wish I could take this pain away. And the worst part about our sport is you just gotta have to go back. Like if you want to get back and and win the Stanley Cup, you have to put do. Tr- put this uh you know remember this pain and and realize i might have to go through that again to get to uh the the ultimate goal so he just was always so full of context with stuff like that and um 
and that came with the fan, mm-hmm. like when he was talking about the fan base and there are so many highlights where you can talk about, like, you know, from the first time the Capitals played us uh, and the, 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 the through the fucking Island thing. And then, um, you know, even through this year when he was just mm-hmm. talking about how uh, them dealing with all the kind of crazy circumstances for, for this year, right? Like it's, he, he always was able to put stuff into context and connect and be honest with the fan base who was listening uh, to him. So, like, there's just so there's going to be so many layers to things that you miss, um, and you're not going to realize them at all. First, like at first, it's just you're just sad because you love this this human being, and he's not you know part of the franchise anymore. Um, and, and the whole point of sports is you want to root for the people that are representing your team and your community. And um, he's not with so like that's the surface level stuff, but there are going to be times over like the next couple of years, even that you're just going to be like, damn, you know, I miss trots. Like, my friend, Nick Martin, who works for me at action network. Uh, he's a capitals fan. He's, he's from Calgary, but he's a capitals fan. And uh, after the capitals lost game two against the Panthers, they, they, they've been out playing the Panthers in the series and we're unlucky to lose that game. And he texts me saying, man, what I would give to hear Barry Trotz say the hockey gods owe me a couple, owe, owe us a couple goals here because we were unlucky. And he, <laughs> he was like, he, he, he would say that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and you're like, you know, that's exactly how I was thinking. You know, I was thinking the same exact thing. And uh, he, he, he kind of put into perspective uh, for us with the microphone. But um, yeah, I think like, hmm. like I said earlier, like I, th- I really do think that the, de- like this, this is a decision that is going to, and we talked about this in a, in a podcast a couple months ago where uh, losing sucks and, and nothing ever good comes from a losing season. It just ends up bad things end up coming from mm-hmm. it, like the collateral damage. And wasn't expecting this, of course, but um, that's just what happens. And for, just from reading the tea leaves and, and, and everybody trying to do their best to piece together what happened, it does sound like, you know, this decision, even as much as Lou Lemarillo wants to say, it wasn't a group decision it really does sound like it was which is you know why i'm saying that i do think people mm-hmm. are going to overestimate the impact that this is going to have on the team's on ice performances next year but at the same time just underestimate the impact it's going to have on the fan base as a whole for the next couple months yeah um yeah i'm glad you brought that up uh but just just real quick um yeah you know there was a connection there that i don't think a lot of coaches have with their team's fans and, and trots got it. Like you would not be, I would not be surprised in the slightest to find that like trots read Islanders Twitter. He read the blogs. He knew what the fans were thinking. And and I, I went back to a bunch of quotes. I posted an article before at lighthouse hockey about my towel of trots spreadsheet and the 256 some odd <laughs> quotes that I had pulled over the years from trots, press availabilities and interviews and things like that. And, um, you know, he talked early in his first year about like going to Home Depot and like people coming up to him and giving him high fives and be like, hey, great game, which I guess he didn't really get in other places, which I thought was kind of odd. I mean, he lived in Nashville for 15 years. You know, you think he would have gotten that at Home Depot there, but I guess not. Um, but, uh, you know, they there's a this is a passionate fan base and he was the first to, you know, other people have said that, but he really acknowledged it like he really you know, he, he fed into that. And like when he, whenever he talked about the Island or Islanders hockey or the Islander way, he knew that that was going to get a response from people. And he knew that people wanted to feel something along those lines. Cause we had not in a while. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to, 
I don't want to denigrate any other Islanders coaches except for Mike Milbury, who also always deserves to be denigrated. But, uh, you know, we hadn't had that. And like, you know, Jack Capuano, as I said at the time, like I thought he's probably a better coach than than he gets a lot of credit for. Doug Waite seemed like he might have, you know, he had a lot of passion. He obviously wanted to win so badly that he, you could you could see him like practically steam coming out of his ears <laughs> after every loss, which of course, you know, was like a four goal loss because they didn't play defense that year. Um, and Trotz was like a completely different animal. Like he was a guy who understood the team and that voice was just so soothing after all those losses, even if you didn't agree with his moves and we'll talk about them in a little bit too. You know, he, he has a calming presence and that will be missed. Now, again, we don't know who's going to be the next coach, um, but you know, for fans that that calming presence was, palpable and like i i will miss it as well now as far as the players go and this is you know getting back to what you were just saying um i i you know at first it was like oh my god like why'd you do this this is crazy lou what are you doing how could you do this over the course of the day you find out more and more stuff and and i urge everybody to read the uh piece of the athletic about why trots was fired by kevin kurz i thought it was pretty good uh he was also on the jeff merrick show uh, and you can find that clip. I'm going to put both of them in the, the article for this. They're, they're both really good. And, you know, in, in a way, it's it's funny that, you know, Kurz is kind of still the new the newish guy. And he had to kind of it's he's looking at it from a kind of a bit of a different perspective. But he said on Mer- the Merrick show that at first it was shocking. But then as he talked to more people, a, a, a more clear picture started to come into into view. And he was somewhat less surprised you know, hours later than he was in the morning when it first happened. And it sure sounds like, you know, maybe the players during their exit interviews, you know, had some stuff to say about Barry and that led Lou to conclude what he said today, really the only piece of information he gave today, which was that he felt that the team needed a new voice, um, which is surprising because again, like that voice is what we all kind of gravitated to, (laughs) but I guess the players felt a little bit differently and, um, you know, it, it's funny, too, because looking back, the first clue that something was up should have been that it took them a week to say anything after the season was over. Like the players all had getaway day the next day. Like we talked about in our last episode, their last game was on a Friday and then Saturday they were all doing their media stuff and then they were gone. Meanwhile, the coach and GM took an extra week and it was like, boy, that's weird. But whatever was said in those meetings led Lou Lamorello to to conclude that the team needs a new voice. Now, to me, that means a couple of different things. Uh, you know, coaches can often be segmented into players, coaches, hard asses, <laughs> X and O guys, you know, feel guys, that kind of thing. So we don't know. I mean, what we know about Barry Trotz, we only know through our, you know, f- sort of fan interactions with him and, and video stuff. And he seemed like he was pretty genuine to us and them. If, you know, if they need a new voice, then I assume that that means it would be a different voice, maybe the opposite voice of what Trotz has. And I mean, does that mean like the next guy will be a hard ass, like a, like a real taskmaster? I don't know. It doesn't sound like that's what they need. But maybe will he'll be like a more kind of lenient sort of players coach. Maybe that's the case, in which case I hope it works out because sometimes those guys don't work out so well. So um, Lamarillo's press availability didn't shed a whole lot of light on anything. It, you know, he talked about players, you know, he thought they needed a new voice, but he had the utmost respect for Barry Trotz and it was not a, not a personal thing. It was, he's still just a great human and blah, blah, blah. So we'll just have to wait and see who that new voice is. But 
I don't know. I mean, what I don't know what the players may have said or didn't say, and and what Lou took from them. But uh, I don't. I don't. Again, I don't think anybody saw this coming. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, from what we know about them and him, I just I don't know. It's shocking to me. But maybe the players can shed some light on it at something uh, at some other time. I don't know. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a couple things here. Like, and I think the sentiment you brought up, which was um, initial shock, and then people kind of coming out of the woodwork saying that yeah basically like they are murmurs of this and that and whatever um but this goes back to my point about losing seasons uh which is when things go wrong uh and something like this happens all of a sudden people are going to parachute in and Mm. and give their opinion uh their hypothesis and uh if it's if what how they think it's if it's the right or wrong move and none of it matters. Mm. Um, it it doesn't matter at all what Justin Bourne or uh, Anson Carter or one of my you favorite or I. things about today is wow the Islanders shook up the hockey world by letting Barry Trotz go. Let's turn to Toronto area <laughs> hockey expert X for their take on the situation. Yeah, let's turn to their take on the situation. I'm sure it's exactly really nuanced and insightful. <laughs> uh, and. And that's why, I mean, it's, you know, you brought it up with, with Kurz and the, the kind of only people you can, who you're going to be able to get insightful information and, and people who will understand how you feel are, are each other, right? Like it's the people who are listening to this podcast, people on Islanders, Twitter, Islander fans, your family members, um, Capitals fans, I guess, because they went through <laughs> it too. But uh, like it's it, – it, you know the people you can go to to talk to. Like you're not going to talk to your friend who's uh, – you know, I have friends in all different markets and uh, people would text me and be like, damn, like what were they thinking? And you, I can't – you don't even want to talk to them because, <laughs> oh, you, you want to know what happened? Like come – block off six hours and we can maybe <laughs> – you know, we can dig into it and, and then come back tomorrow for another six-hour session. Right. Um, and you won't understand how I'm feeling. Uh, but – um, that's what happens when this stuff, you know, when seasons go wrong and, uh, decisions like this ha- uh, happen. And I, d- I do think, you know, it, it became kind of more obvious that the, there was like a, maybe a little smoke and fire situation with the players. Um, and that's kind of made it <laughs> both more, a little, like a little more comforting that, you know, this wasn't just, you hope like Lamarillo, who I think if you're looking to blame someone for the way the season went, he's probably at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course he, he's not going to take the fall. He's not going to fire himself or step down. He's, he wants to win another cup. And, you know, I think it's, it's if right or wrong, any of us would probably do the same thing, right? Like if this was your job or my job being the GM of a team that just completely underwhelmed, you're the, the co- it's one or the other, right? Like the coach or the, the, the GM gets the fall guy. And I think the, um, the players stuff kind of painted a picture of, okay, like uh, if, if, if me being Lou Lamarillo, if I want to get another crack at this can, I probably need to do something. Um, And he did it. And like, we're not going to know whether it's a good move or a bad move for a long time, unfortunately. And no matter what, it's a shitty move. It's a (laughs) shitty thing, right? Like it's good, bad, whatever happens, it sucks. Um, and I don't think anybody really agrees with it on this side of uh, the the window in terms of Islanders fans. And I think that a lot of people probably would have said 
you know, the other guy, the guy who made the decision probably should have looked in the mirror and maybe stepped yeah. down or what, whatever you want to say. And you can be as angry as you No, Nobody, I'll never tell anyone how to feel about how to be a fan or whatever. Um, the only thing that I will say is that, you know, you can be as angry as you want and as at Lou Lamarillo and yell at him and on Twitter, he's not going to see it. He's not going <laughs> to hear about it and it's not going to change the situation. Um, so rather just focus on your know, trots almost and, and, and kind of putting your emotion in, in that uh, direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the, the thing with the players too, like if it, it is a, 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 an interesting year coming up with the contract situations and mm-hmm. the fact that the Islanders are, you know, their, their best player, Matt Barzell had a really bad year and, and oh, by the way, like, come on, look, this wasn't a, one of us has got to go situation right like i think that's gonna come wow. out i think it's already kind of come out that people are like yeah oh matt barzell said it's either him or barry like come come on we all know that's not what happened um and uh but like it's the the reality is that his contract situation is such that if the islanders are terrible next year um they have a decision to make with him because if they are gonna need to completely retool and rebuild or whatever he likely is the guy that they'd need to cash in on um and i think that probably has something to do with the decision it's like next year is now because of the way this year went this is the year this is the you know every every year you hear it around the leafs like oh if they don't accomplish said goal like there will be changes and there never are but like i think with the islanders like there there would be a completely different direction for the franchise if if things really go badly next year so um i think that has something to do with it as well uh and the players know this like barzell knows it and yeah um it's uh it's just it's it's kind of just hard to to even wrap wrap my my head around yeah so. i mean well like you said i mean it would take six hours and i think i i do think barzell's contract plays into it i think trotz's contract plays right. into it i think the islanders 50th anniversary plays into it i think you know a lot goes into it and that's what lou lamarello was you know kind of weighing over the last couple of days my thing is that no matter how you kind of slice where this season went, it kind of ends up on Lamorello's head. And, and I'm looking at the, the quotes from Curse's piece right now, and he had a couple of anonymous sources, and you know, kind of asked them what they what they thought. And you know, it gets back to like this style of play is very hard on players. You have to be disciplined. You have to be all in all the time. And if you're not. It's not going to work. And like, this isn't rocket science. Like, this isn't a secret. Like, we kind of knew about this, you know, that it's a hard way to play every single night. And they've done it for four years, although, you know, a couple of those years were truncated, which makes things, you know, it's less games, but it makes it even worse. (laughs) You know, like they've this season in particular has been had all kinds of starts and stops and it didn't make playing that way any easier. But my thing is, yes, this is a hard way to play. But then shouldn't there have been some sort of reinforcements involved and mixed in like you know, new guys in the lineup, some fresh legs in the lineup, new guys, maybe in Bridgeport that can get called up and can play, you know, can slot it into the lineup whenever somebody needs a break. Um, you know, we obviously, I was joking before that I blame this on Zidane Chara, but I mean, the dude played, what was it like? I think 78 games this year at 45 years old. And he clearly struggled on some nights. And again, this is a hard way to play. Maybe he could have used a couple of nights off, but he gets a night off who who's going to play. I mean, they sent Robin Sallow back to Bridgeport cause he, they thought he wasn't ready. And like, there's so many 
little decisions that go on here and there that I, I think it all comes back to the roster just not being as good as it could have been. And I mean, we've talked about this and, and that's a Lamorello thing. That's not a Trotz thing. But that being said, you know, you could nitpick some of Trotz's uh, decisions this year. I, I hate the fact that like Oliver Wallstrom got dragged into this whole thing because he's like the fair haired boy and everybody wants to see him play. I'm, I'm sorry. Like this guy got a lot of chances this year and he just, he was good for the first two months and then he kind of was in and out of, uh, you know, power for the rest of the season. I don't know what, you know, what to, to say. And maybe there's something to it. He had nothing but nice things to say about Barry Trotz. I guess <laughs> so at his, at his end of end of year thing. So, you know, there's so much that goes into it and, and I get that it's hard to play and I get that maybe the players want to kind of lighten the load a little bit, but I think that would have been a lot easier if they had like backup from other players. Yeah. Or if they were successful, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like exactly. I think if, if the team was good this year, we wouldn't be, obviously sure. we wouldn't be having this conversation because they'd be having a blast in the right. playoffs. And- well, they were good from January to the end. Right. They just weren't good from October through December. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's like uh, the, the like the Lamarillo thing too. It's it's not only not only did he not address the situation um, before the season, but there was no real addressing of it when things were clearly hitting the fan, right. um, and there was time to make a move. Like you right. know, you, you, you don't need you don't need to wait until the mm. trade deadline to to do something stand pat or whatever like you could have made a trade in, in november you could have acquired right. someone some reinforcements back then and whatever like you can say covid stuff uh, affects this and that and it does but you if you if he wanted to do something he could have done it and i think the, it, the, the season was a failure across the board there's very few people who exceeded expectations they were very um, you know, a little bit, maybe a few more who who met expectations, and a lot of people who didn't meet expectations. Um, and one of the one of the ones mm-hmm. who didn't meet expectations was Lamarilla. Um, and that's what I think that's yeah. what a lot of Islander fans are um, going to struggle with right now. Is like because of the way Lou runs things uh, and the the almost cliched trope of not saying anything like all oh, we're going to hear this whole summer when the Islanders are brought up is well, Lamarillo it's Lamarillo. So we're not going to get anything out of that guy. And then a, a laugh at, at the joke. But, um, and then when he does something, they're all going to be like, you know, I had heard rumblings about this. Okay. Right, well then, exactly. then what was all yeah. that nonsense about not knowing anything? Like, okay, <laughs> thanks. And, but, and it's, that's what we're going to have to deal with. And, and I think Islander fans, when you, when you do something like this, and I, and I know like this is, you know, Lou, and once again, hypocritical, being angry about it, it's not going to, to make him change his mind. But you, you do think that the fan base deserves a little bit more mm-hmm. um, than what was given. Uh, and I know, you know, he doesn't care about that. And, you know, that's part of the reason he's been successful, I'm sure, is like keeping everyone, everyone follows the same rule book. Um, but, and he doesn't even, it does, it's not like I'm saying, like he needs to say like, oh yeah, the players said that they didn't want to play the style of hockey anymore. It wasn't working. They didn't think it, they would be able to, to accomplish it uh this way anymore um but like more in in the fact that like hey we we get why everyone's so upset and shocked um by this and we're going to do it make it right and we you know even something just as canned as that right Mm. like would would have made me feel a little bit better rather than um you know 
Paratrats is a great person, whatever. Um, I made this decision on my own based on my experience mm. and my opinion. Which again um, is probably not accurate because he clearly talked to all the right. players and got their opinion. Yeah, you did it a week after the player. You did player interviews. Right. And I mean, I'm not saying that I heard anything or, or thought anything, but just the, the way that they were adamant about the players and then the coaches, the players doing the exit interviews and then the coaches right. doing the media thing the week later, it just made me feel weird. Yeah. Like, um, because that doesn't happen. Like, no, no one ever comes out and says, makes it a point to say, oh no, the coaches and Lou are meeting, you know, next week. But um yeah, like it's, it's just anything would have would have helped soften the blow a little mm. bit. Um but we didn't get that. And uh I think I wasn't alone in thinking and hoping that uh after the initial tweet from the Islanders, which, you know, true fashion of, of this regime <laughs> was just out of the blue. Mm. This is what here's the news, nothing else. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Was like I was kind of hoping that we would hear like Trotz was burnt down and like just needed to take a break. Right. Uh, of course, we didn't hear that. So, which he um, had alluded to sort of at right. the end of the, at the end of the season, he was like, you know, he had a lot of personal stuff going on. I believe he said that his his daughter was getting married or something. I think maybe this year, and his mom, don't forget, passed away in January. So, you know that that sort of made me think. I thought the same thing too. Like maybe he just felt burnt out. And then the other thing too is you got to remember going back four years, like. He was, you know, he stepped down as Caps coach on like a Friday. And then like by like Wednesday or Tuesday, he was <laughs> the Islanders coach. And then, you know, he had spent 14 years in Nashville and then he wasn't he wasn't free for long before the Caps snapped him up four years earlier. So like this guy's been on kind of a whirlwind, you know, eight year stretch. And to be blunt, again, I'm not Barry Trotz. I don't I'm not going to tend to speak for him. If I were him, I would take a year off. Like what? Like what? What? What is he going to be gain? What is going to be gained from just jumping into another situation? I would just take a year off. Some other coaches are going to get fired, like whatever, you know. Unless he has a particular job that he's angling for, and obviously the Jets are looking for somebody. Who knows what's going on with the Canucks? You know, they're they're kind of playing games with Bruce Boudreau. You know, every time something happens, the Flyers are always, you know, you got to see him in Philly. Anytime there's a free agent, a coach is like, well, I could see him in Philly, like. Sure. Okay. Whatever. But like, who who knows? Like, why would he do that? Like, why would Barry Trotz go to his third Metro team in the last 10 years and then just do it all over again? Like, it just seems like a lot. So if I were him, I would just take a year off. And if he's got a lot of stuff to work out again, his mom passed away. He's probably got a family to take care of. Just chill out, man. He's made a lot of money. Some other coaches, some other openings will happen. And then he could just go on and maybe he could even coach like a local team just to kind of keep his foot into it. But that that's what I would do if I were him. But um, the other thing that I need to get off my chest about this is that um, I find it and I tweeted about this before. I, I just I find it uproariously funny that the same people that have been complaining about Barry Trotz and the Islanders for four years and saying that his brand of hockey is old it's boring. We hate it. You, we have, you know, prominent people, podcasters and broadcasters openly hoping that the Islanders don't make the Stanley Cup finals for two years in a row because they, they think he's boring. He's a dinosaur. We got to get him out of here. We can't take this anymore. Now, every single one of them wants Trots to coach their team. And I'm looking at Flyers fans. I'm looking at Devils fans. The Canucks you know, went from like, well, our team would never play like that to, 
you know, we love Bruce, but maybe we can get Barry Trotz out here. You know, he is kind of a Western Canada guy. Like, I'm not surprised that this is this way, but in case you were wondering, like, everybody in hockey is a hypocrite and a liar and a phony because they all want to win just as badly as anybody else. And the fact that they were... They didn't like Barry Trotz hockey when the Islanders had him because they didn't like the Islanders. And now that he's available, they're totally happy with their team taking on Barry Trotz hockey. And that that just pisses me off. Like, I don't want to hear what Ryan Lambert has to say because I know what he's got to say. He hates the Islanders and he hates Barry Trotz until, you know, if the Flames get, (laughs) not that they're good, you know, they they, they do the same thing. They play the same exact way under Daryl Sutter that the Islanders played under Barry Trotz, except the difference is the Flames have four guys who score 40 goals. Like, that's the same, the same yeah. kind of team, you know, or Ryan Whitney. Like, what is he like? Uh, isn't he like a Bruins fan or something? Like, yeah, he's from there. I, th- I don't know if you have played. I don't know. Him, but like, but... we get it. He rooted against, you know, yeah. he was the guy saying, don't let the Islanders make the Stanley Cup finals. And I guarantee you, if the Bruins lose this series against the Hurricanes and they fire Bruce Cassidy, he will be the first person to say they need to bring in Barry Trotz. 100%. And it's just how it is, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, I, and, and again, I'm not surprised, but still is annoying. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's just like the the amount of jokes at the Islanders' expense in two very successful seasons mm. <laughs> with Barry Trotz, or three very successful seasons with Barry Trotz, um, are now completely flipped and turned into making fun of them right. for, for for yeah for it's just <clears throat> and yeah that's the kind of stuff that you know it goes back to the same thing like a losing season sucks and makes you vulnerable to stuff like that and um, yeah I mean it's it's I think there was very few people out there that aren't going to make you mad with what, how they express how they feel about this and whatever. And um, I would just give this advice, which is that you're not going to miss them if you mute them on Twitter, (laughs) like, you know, or whatever. Like I, I, I did it a few weeks ago, months ago now, I guess. Mm And, you know, a lot of people who uh, like, I enjoy their work and I think their work is all right to read and whatever. And I realized I can still find it easily. I don't need to see what their every waking thought is. So I just muted a ton of people and it's been great. <laughs> uh, and I would highly suggest doing it. And it, it really streamlines your timeline to seeing the people that you want to hear from. Right. Um, and those are the people who I was, you know, talking with today, uh, a lot of, you know, and it, it was, it was so interesting to just see everybody. Cause every, of course everyone found out the news at the same time. Mm. Then everybody processed the news in the same kind of way that you and I did, which was just numb. Mm. I was numb. You feel helpless. Cause it's like, like I said before, being mad is not going to, you're not, we're not going to be able to say, Oh, you know, tomorrow the Islanders aren't going to say, well, you know, we made a mistake <laughs> uh, because you guys were all so sad. Mm. Um, so yeah, you, 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 you feel this, like, you know, you're numb, then you feel helpless. And then as the day goes on, you start to like kind of unpack what's going on. And um, it, it truly felt better uh to talk to people about it who understood mm-hmm. um and you start to, to to kind of piece things together and realize like oh no this is a good point that this person makes and that person makes and you, you start to not be able to navigate through the through your um irrational emotions because once again this is we're fans mm-hmm. right like this is not a big deal in the grand scheme of things there's a lot of bad things happening in the <laughs> world right now and the islanders firing their head coach it's not one of them um, in, in terms of that kind of scale. Um, but when you talk to some, when you talk to someone who, who their world is also crashing down around them, despite how um, minute it is, it does make you feel like, okay, you know, I'm not 
a crazy person for feeling this way. This isn't totally normal uh, for, for this. And that helps. It really mm-hmm. does help to hear from people uh, yeah. like that in, in these times and, and the right people. You know, yeah. not, not your fan, friends who are Ranger fans who are <laughs> you're tweeting at right. you or texting you and being like, oh, oh man, like that's the good one. The Islanders back. I, I one, fr- one friend of mine texted me. He's like, it feels feels very, um, uh, you know, Gluck Stern, Spano, yeah. Charles Wong Islanders, Mike Milbury Islanders. And I think that's true. It does feel that way a little bit because yeah. when those guys would do something stupid, you'd be like, oh, God damn it. But you were helpless. Right. Like you couldn't do anything to stop it. And, and that's how I felt uh today but like and and i thought that was a good point and then you know other people saying like i don't think it's going to be as bad in terms of the on ice as we feel and i think that's also true um so it's it is incredibly complicated um because and that that is a testament to i remember when when tavares came back and and i think it was mike babcock was the coach for the leafs and was like you know if they are booing and yelling at you like that it must mean that you were a very special player here on the island when you were here um he's right. Like that's true. And I think that that is kind of what you're going to, you're going to see kind of the opposite of that when, if, and when Trotz returns to coach, like that the outpouring of emotion is just going to show, it's going to be very much like the Robin right. Leonard situation. That, yeah. Um, and, and it's th- the fact that you, f- we're all feeling these crazy complex, complicated, you know, we all need a psychiatrist to kind of unpack <laughs> emotions. It just tells you, how you know, special of a coach and an era it was. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was the best era of the Islanders for my life. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's, that's a, te- the, what, what, how you feel, how I feel, how everyone listening to this feels is a testament to the type of coach he was. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there, there may, there may at some point be a silver lining here. And I, and it occurred to me that um, the Islanders as a, as a unit, as a roster certainly learned a lot, in four years under Barry Trotz that I don't think that they had learned previously under the previous coaches, um, you know, about defensive play sacrifice. They certainly know what it takes to win in the playoffs now because they've done it <laughs> two years in a row and they know that pain. So I think, you know, you're, they're starting from a, from a place that the other, that Trotz's original Islanders were not at. Now they're, they're a little further along, you know, you've got, a star in Barzell, a budding star in Noah Dobson. You got a goalie in Ilya Sorokin, who is obviously ready for prime time. Uh, and you got a goalie in Simeon Varlamov, who's also pretty good too. And you've got pieces there that I think coaches would want. I just don't know who that other coach would be. Uh, we can save this for another time. I guess we could just name coaches all day. And none of them are Barry Trotz. That's the thing. <laughs> and that surprised me. Yeah, I think I was just about yeah. to say, it's like, <laughs> you, you, no matter who it is, right. they have a, it's a really tough situation because they're not. And, and, they're not Barry right. Trotz. Yeah. Which, which really sucks. Um, but, uh, but I also think I, I do want to say real, just real, real quick. I do think like no matter who it is with very few exceptions, the fan base won't give a shit mm. if they win. Oh yeah. Like, no, it's not, sure. it's not gonna, it's not gonna be like a, like a thing where, uh, you know, a seven, one and one start isn't it. We're not going to forget about Trotz, but then all of a sudden you're like, all right, right. I'm on board with this. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I think, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, if it's somebody and, and they win right away, uh, then it'll it'll be different, but it'll be something good. The the thing that worries me the most though is if they want to win in a different way than they won under Trots, they're going to need a whole bunch of new players. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. too, you know, because this team has been kind of coded for a certain way for a while now. But but maybe the, you know a new coach will unlock. You know, we've been sitting here for how long talking about getting Anthony Beauvillier to be a more consistent player. 
you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what can be done for Josh Bailey at 35 <laughs> years old, whenever he is, but you know, oh, man. Right, yeah. I was cracking up thinking about Bailey today. Right. Um, Cause what I did was uh, you saw, I, someone tweeted something about ba- Josh Bailey and this is his fault, like, not his fault, but like, you know, Oh yeah, I'm sure that, the guy who had to play Josh Bailey like 13 minutes a night, like this is not his fault. Mm. Like he, he's not, he's stuck with, with these, these guys. Um, but I, I was thinking about Bailey. Um, Cause he's gone. Scott Gordon, mm-hmm. Capuano, uh, wait trots. So he's run a, a gamut of coaches and now he's going to get a fifth one in his tenure mm-hmm. with the Islanders. And then you think about, um, the simple guy who's similarly a one Jersey guy, uh, he's currently playing very well in the playoffs in Sidney Crosby. Um, and of course that, that team had a lot more success and this is apples to oranges a little bit, but Crosby went from Michelle Terry and Dan Bilesma, who's there forever. And then Mike Sullivan, I think, I think that was it. Right. I might be missing one other guy, Yeah, but no. Oh no. He at all check was right, actually right, first yeah, this, before this, Terry. The rookie rookie. Year, yeah. But so for, for coaches, but like right. it, the p- point being like, there was like kind of like a, a, a like a, a theme here, like a crescent, like a slow building crescendo for for Crosby and the coaches crescendoing with with mm-hmm. um, Sullivan, who's been there for a while now. Um, but yeah. and then you look at these guys, like like if you put even put the pictures of of Josh Bailey's head coaches next to each other, they they just <laughs> you're like these this is this looks like a a garage band, like this looks like a a, a band that would show up <laughs> at a bar on Long Island. Uh, with with Capuano obviously being the the drummer, um, and and you know wait wait <laughs> wait and Gordon on on the wings, Trotz probably being the front man, but um, it's just like this guy is going to see a different, a completely different coach again. From you've going from Doug Wade to Barry mm. Trotz is, isn't a shock to the system. We'll see what he he does here, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was funny yeah. how that was one of one of my first thoughts after the kind of dust started to settle was <laughs> trying to figure out the coaching yeah. lineage yeah. for Bailey. Well, I mean, the, the it's a, if you look at Ovechkin, it's even worse. Like there's there was like Glenn Hanlon and Adam Oates and Dale Hunter and right. Barry Trotz and Peter Laviolette and Reardon. Bruce Boudreaux. Oh, I mean, I forgot Bruce Boudreaux. Like you know, I yeah. mean, so like that's, and, like it's it's yeah. not like it's this is more common. I think but that that's what that kind of showed me. Like as I was going through this exercise, like coaches just their shelf lives are just so short these days. Yeah, I mean that's why someone someone was like Trotz is. Trotz is like he's proven that his shelf life is really short. Like the guy was a coach from 1998 to 2014 <laughs> with one team. Right. Like that's yeah. not the case. And I thought that we were going to get that. That's part of what makes us hurt so yeah. much was I thought we were bucking that trend. Yeah, no, that's true. And I, I agree. I thought we'd, we'd be here. I didn't think this day would come four years right. after that is. And and when it did come, I didn't think that the same people that were complaining about Trotz for all four years of his Islanders tenure would suddenly be like, He's got to go to Vegas. That would be perfect. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So we're gonna. Yeah. So I hated him when I when he coached for the Islanders, but I'm gonna love him when he coaches Jack Eichel and Mark Stone oh and Vegas. Okay. Sure. So yeah, uh, lots of emotions. Uh, you're capable of feeling anything and everything, and I think we're gonna be going through this for a while now. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get together again uh, when a new coach is hired. Uh, yeah, you know, they got a while to go before the, the draft and such. Uh, we are going to be uh, recording a Weird Islanders podcast later this week, <laughs> which uh, you know is a little bit awkward now, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna get that going because uh, we got a great guest and uh, and a great uh, subject to talk about. So we will get that to lighten the mood up a little bit, uh, but we are going to need to 
process this first and, uh, and work through it all. And, um, so in the meantime, just, you know, take care of yourselves and, and, you know, don't be sad that it's over. Be glad that it happened, I guess. Yeah. I don't know who said that? But yeah. I think, I think, I think that's what's going to end up, that's, <laughs> that's what's going to end up coming out of this eventually yeah. is like, we're going to look back on this and, and of course we look back on, on this era with like incredible fondness. Um, and it's, it, we're going to just appreciate what Trotz did and the players did, um, a lot like like an unspeakable amount i mean think about how how mm. geeked up we got for when uh the islanders lost in game seven to the maple leafs in 2002 like that's one of the most beloved teams of an era because that's how far as far as they got so like a team that gives given right. us this much success is going to be you know universally beloved and my hope is that eventually you know down the line it's it's a he's an alumni night guy and whatever but like it's it, it's even hard to think mm. about that right like it's because okay. he wasn't supposed to to end like this yeah. and uh, like he's, I mean, he's been saying wonderful things about the Capitals for four years right. while coaching the Islanders. So, and and that's not a criticism. I mean, yeah, I mean that. So, I assume he'll he'll say the same things about the Islanders. But uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I don't I don't anticipate any kind of like statement coming. If he is hired by somebody, he'll say it then. But uh, again, if I was him, if, Barry, if you're listening, which I know you're not, if you are. Take a deep breath, man. Take a vacation. Like yeah. you've earned it, you know. And and there will be other coaching jobs later on that uh, that will open, and and maybe one of them works out for you. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Um, in the meantime, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Uh, you can follow me at Culture of Losing. And reminder that our next episode of. Islander of Anxiety, which is going to be happening next week, uh, is a mailbag episode. So please tweet at us. Uh, we've already got a bunch of questions. You could just tweet right at us or you could send it to us in the DMs. We're, we're ready for your questions. we got a whole bunch uh, and that's going to be great, but uh, we can always use a bunch more. And uh, in the meantime, again, just you know, think back fondly on this era and uh, hope that the next one is better. And we will talk to you again very shortly. All right. Thanks a lot for listening and uh, take care. All right. Bye-bye.